Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have with us here today Mr. Ed Zarella. Edge is a partner in the firm. He's working the Asia-Pacific beat these years, located in Hong Kong, and a longtime veteran of KPMG podcasts and has a lot of insights as to what's going on. So we wanted to get Edge on today in this ongoing series of podcasts we're doing about top friends for 2018, which will be leading up to a webcast we'll be doing on that same topic based on some research we completed that will be on January 30th. But we also wanted to get these podcasts out to have some of the firm experts give you some additional context and flavor for what they're seeing in the market. So, Edge, thank you very much for joining us here today. Maybe to start out, what are you seeing as some of the big trends from a positive standpoint in your neck of the woods in Asia, Pat? Well, we're actually looking at three key areas. Interesting, these have been almost building up for the last, I'd say, almost last 18 months, two years. So the first big trend is artificial intelligence and cognitive. You've probably seen a lot of press and a lot of folks will see it about how China is investing in this space. And literally, maybe one or two people a week that I'm talking to guys from overseas, usually PE guys, investors, angel investors, right across the board. I mean, folks who are coming in into Hong Kong or are preparing to go into China and really looking at investments in this space. For us, we see the next, let's say, five years, and I don't think it's actually going to come off the boil. There's going to be a lot, a lot of focus on the whole artificial intelligence side because it's not a race that China's getting there, but there are a number of things and a number of industries that, that it's really focusing on, which I'll touch on once, where it's actually uh, quite exciting. The second uh, trend, and it's continued, I mean, everyone probably would have seen the big November day in China, which was called Singles Day, where 25 billion US was spent on e-commerce. If you look at it, uh, this has been growing. We actually, I think our firm was one of the first to really talk about it. We predicted that e-commerce would surpass every other on the planet just by sheer scale, by what it's inventing, amazing innovation coming into the consumer market, especially on mobility, mobile technology, as well as the whole e-commerce. That's a trend that we just see it sparking off every aspect of the supply chain, from the retail side right down to the beginning of the manufacturer, the people producing the goods, the whole supply chain, logistics. It is a complete revolution, and it is producing numbers, even new technologies, if I can say it that way, or new ways of doing business to try to get to the consumer in a more efficient and effective way. It's amazing for us. The other one I'm seeing a lot of focus on, and just pick on one sector, is healthcare. With China faces no different to the US or any other country, modern Western country, where it has an aging population. And there is a significant focus by the government in its 12th five-year plan, significant focus by a lot of lot of uh, new startups in trying to address the whole uh, healthcare sector. And this is going to be critical because the spiraling cost of medical across the board, even in China, and trying to get right across to universal care across to everybody in China is significant. So what you're seeing is significant investment in the last, I don't want to say almost four or five years and really ramping up even further in the whole health technology space. And that impacts all other areas. You may not uh, see it. We see significant convergence because it's not only just healthcare itself, but touching areas like insurance and, and other financial services and wealth management products. They're all getting tied together and the ability because of uh, e-commerce platforms and technologies, these are all coming together. 
So they're the three big trends I see at the moment for us in Asia, and it's a race to uh, crack the code to uh, business well in those areas. I wouldn't necessarily say aging population is a negative trend, and, and you didn't say that. I'm not implying that you did. But as part of the research, we've looked at what we're perceived as the biggest negative trends next year and yeah, the year yeah. after. So healthcare is a challenge, obviously, that all large countries or virtually all large countries are facing. But are there some other negative trends you're seeing in the market? A lot going on in the geopolitical space. There's some discussion of over-leveraged firms. But what would you yeah. say is maybe some of the flip side? Yeah, no, no, this is a very good point because you can take the aging population. I mean, we all age, right? I mean, you can also see that as a market that is growing, right? And I've been saying for a long time, and if I can just press the point, then I'll get to the negative. For a very long time, we always look at the youth of the market because we say that's what the internet's all about, that's how it started. Then we say mobile is all people, young people. But we've done enough studies on the consumer side, and especially in China, you're missing a major market, and that's the over 50, the over 60. They are also spending bigger than the youth because they've got more disposable income. The danger is getting to stereotypes to chase a certain market. So I actually see it as a positive. You've actually touched on a good point as a geopolitical. There is a concern on this side of the world, and it will impact investments. And it's quite stunning in Asia that there's a significant amount of real cash just sitting there waiting because people just don't know the concerns that they have on the whole geopolitical side. You know, the tensions that get created, and I don't want to get into the broader politics, but the tensions that get created, that puts a lot of nervousness in the system. So far, I have not seen what he's saying, we're not going to invest in certain key areas and focus, like, for example, AI and all the investment in e-commerce. But there are tensions in other parts of the market, especially in manufacturing. If you take a look at what's happening here, and I think this is why the race to AI, even in China, then you and I would know this, having played in the outsourcing shared services space for a long time. The labor arbitrage, and I was recently in India, that doesn't play much longer. Because if you take a look at these markets where we've done labor arbitrage, it's 20-30% if you could move stuff offshore. Those sort of competitive advantages are going away. So people have got to look at technology or look at different ways. You know, the one that we're hearing a lot on this side of the world is the whole talent side is you go to India, to China, because that's where the vast amount of talent. It's no longer about cost anymore. To give you one example, even just unrelated, but in manufacturing. Everyone moved to Bangladesh. Now people are moving out of Bangladesh because it used to be the cheapest, and now they're moving to Sri Lanka. Everyone keeps moving. Now, China's lost a lot of that low-side stuff, and they've moved up the scale. And by the way, I apologize. I should have said another positive trend is robotics. For a country with 1.3 billion people, the investment that China's putting in robotics is significant. And the reason for that is that they're competitive, and it wants to be competitive in the new world, and also to address its own home market. Robotics are going to be a, a critical part of the industrial investment. But the tensions, and we're starting to see it, we can't discount this on the geopolitical, and that's probably the biggest negative I see, because we're not getting consistent messages. And I was watching a report last night on the BBC, and even CNN. It destabilizes what people are thinking, and it's not a good environment for business, because constant chaos doesn't help. I would agree with you on that and got a little more negative this week. To my point, just on this, you know, many bullish and buoyant about where the economy is going, there are always hiccups along the way. However, on the areas I see, people are still doing their investments. You know, people like you and I are talking now, you know, people are raising concerns. And you've got to remember, if the concerns keep going for a while, then people will change their spending habits or investment habits. Am I making sense? Yes, you are.
So then, in terms of top initiatives, you've mentioned intelligent automation, robotics, two huge ones, ongoing yeah. shifting of where labor is accessed. But in terms of looking at your client base, what are some other big initiatives? Is it really all about robotics and AI? Are there other things that are on the collective agendas for the next year or two? It's a great question. Let's maybe take one or two sectors and maybe can show you the difference. If you take a look at the retail side, especially in Asia, the race is to get to e-commerce because if you put together even just China alone but in the Asian population, we're spending more by mobile payments and in the retail side than the rest of the world put together. It is a race. The mobile technologies took a massive leap from. What's interesting about those mobile devices, they're spending it's not just because they got them because they want it. They're spending on those devices. And, I mean, I do the same. I mean, if I don't have to walk into a store, I don't have to. I mean, I'll do a lot of stuff on my mobile device. There is everything that I need is available on my mobile device in Asia, and we're racing. And it is tight. Everybody trying to change their processes, their systems. Everybody trying to look at and see how they can improve in their supply chain on the whole mobile and e-commerce. That's hot in retail. If I take, let's say, in financial services, financial services is still being hit 10 years later after the GFC see is on the whole remediation process. Now, if you take a look at it, I've used this term and been quite a many times on it, the financial service industry thought, hey, this is an aberration, the regulators are going to get off our back, and it was going to be 12 to 18 months of do stuff in spreadsheets. Now, what we're seeing is not really robotics or AI, I don't think they're really there yet, but it's the whole automation. It's not sustainable throwing bodies at it. And so what you're starting to see, and seen it right across the board, across the whole street and finances, is the whole automation and trying to address and change their budgets away from just remediation or compliance and regulatory, because they've been hit very hard, trying to automate those processes so then they can start focusing on things like growth and everything else. If you get to manufacturing, rest assured, but for being the chief labor where China was. You only have to move 45 minutes over the border and China, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, the automation that's kicking in, the use of robotics starting to kick in. It's a society that's moving very, very fast in that state-of-the-art technologies for manufacturing. That doesn't mean a big chunk of China or even Asia is still caught in the old way of manufacturing. You know, like cheap price, lower price labor. But however, we're seeing that trend and there will be a race to try to automate and use robotics. It's interesting, a paper recently by The Economist on robotics here and it got countries that got vast population but all racing to as well because one, they're trying to serve their population. The other thing too is the demand is just so high they can't make it. So to get the resources that you need, you go robotics. So they're the three key industries and if you look at it, what we're seeing as the trends, I haven't changed my view on AI and cognitive for the last three years and it's just more and more expenditure and as I get more and more guys coming to China or even Asia, people are blown away at the amount that's actually being spent on it. I don't see this stopping. I see this, to use the old try term, but the exponential curve going up and up and up and up, I don't see it changing, not in my lifetime anyway. So there's certainly a lot of potential in, in some of the topics you've been addressing, e-commerce, mobile, automation, yeah. robotics, but none of it's that easy, even if you can make large investments into it. We have seen a lot of shifting yeah. of who are their market leaders in various areas over the past few years. Sorry, just on that, when you're shifting leaders, many times I've said it's that company and that company, and then all of a sudden you see another company coming out of the blue. You're seeing huh. great innovation happening. I agree with you, it's hard, but that doesn't mean people are not racing to it. Right. Because if you crack it, and whoever cracks it is going to do really, really well. Take a look at 
our big boys like Google, the Amazons, the Alibaba, the Tencent, these guys at a scale that we would never have believed. And they've delivered on many goods. It's still improving. I mean, that's the aim of innovation. Maybe to wrap up, what do you see as the key capabilities that firms need to have success these days, whether that's in retail, financial services? Yeah, no, you kind of hit on it already, but is it just yeah. the technology? Is it scale? No, no, no. Is it smart management? Is it all of the above? I really like this question, and we don't ask it enough because everyone gets caught in the, in the hype of the sale and chasing and the motor from the market. The greatest concern I see, we're starting to hit it even in China, India, and stuff like that. If you look at this race, and I like that you also mentioned management and spot on for mentioning it. One is management's got to do it. It's not easy. You're not selling the same way. And by the way, I've watched companies which said, don't do this. It's not the right way. They take the traditional way and they try to digitalize it, if I can use that term, and guess what? They fail. Because they're not addressing one important thing where some of these big players address it well is they listen to the customer. They really, really, really listen to the customer. And innovation and the customer are so tied together, like, it's important. But the other one, too, if you look at the capabilities, a skill that we, uh, and I've been saying this in the accounting profession, we need more mathematicians. A lot of this stuff uses algos, a prediction, and you need more mathematicians, and we don't have enough. If you look at the West, less and less people are doing mathematics. We need architects. This is not easy. I really like your point. It's not easy. So you've got to come in with a, an engineer or an architect's view of things, and we don't have enough engineers. I mean, China's now producing more engineers than everybody else on the planet. That's not a good thing. What I've always loved about China rising and even India rising in the technology, it gives a little bit more support to the wonderful stuff for many, many years, the Silicon Valley stuff. People think it's not a zero-sum game. One person has to win. And I keep saying this to the press and everybody, it's not about one person winning it. We've got so many things we've got to do. More countries, more technologies, more companies that actually take the load. It's important. If we're all doing that, you don't have enough architects. You don't have enough mathematicians. You don't have enough software engineers. It's a whole different skill set. Business is no longer saying, I've got a bit of business now. I need individuals in the room who have uh, an engineer's point of view, a mathematician's point of view. I need a person who truly understands the whole uh, coding and everything else in algo, machine language. And by the way, they've got to be business people too. That's not easy because I'd really like your comment about smart management. Smart management is recognizing I've got to get different skill sets. At times, we don't realize till it's too late the right people that we need. And if, if everyone's got to do it, they've got to look at it very, very carefully. I'll say this now. I've been saying it for a while. Accountants in the future to deal with these corporates and everything else are not going to be from an accounting background. They're going to come from an engineer's background. They're going to come from a develop and do stuff in Argos. It's a whole different skill set because the world is moving very, very different. And when you're doing with vast amounts of data, the old way of thinking that you can get a gut feel, it doesn't work anymore. It still applies, but it's less of, if that makes sense. No, it does. Well, Edge, this has been great. Well, thank you very much for your time. We'll have to get you back more often on this. I think there's a lot of areas that we could dig a little deeper into and I think everybody really likes to hear and is excited about hearing what's going on in Chip Pacific these days. So thanks again for your time, and we'll have to get you back on the Advice Worth Keeping podcast series again soon. And you can find the links to the items you referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.